G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. But when you think about it in those ancient sort of biblical contexts, the family was much broader than just the nuclear family too. Yeah. There was this understanding that we, the village, you know, yeah. the, the broader family is responsible. Research tells us that only a third of young people who are growing up in church will sustain faith and church engagement into adulthood. That's to say that two out of three of those who grow up in the church will leave by the time they're an adult. Our guest today is author, speaker and pastor, Kimberly Smith, who is the Generations and Emerging Leaders Pastor at the Baptist Union of Victoria. And we're going to explore why this is taking place and what the church and parents can do to address this. That's Kimberly Smith with my wife Kate and myself Brett Ryan for Focus on the Family Australia. Well, welcome back to the program. It's good to be here again. You've been a very popular guest here at Focus on the Family Australia, so it's great to have you in your new role at Baptist Union Victoria. That's right. I came in wearing a different hat today. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about your role at the BUV. Yes, so I am engaged there as the Emerging Leaders and Generations Pastor, and I have the opportunity to just encourage all of our churches around this idea of generational engagement that looks like a few different things, but I get to support and champion and meet with pastors and leaders who are leading in generations ministries, so kids, youth, young adults, families, providing training, providing networking of them to connect them to one another. Um, Also just helping churches who aren't resourced enough to have pastors and leaders in key positions of generations ministry, just how do they keep thinking and acting generationally as a church. And then also just as a general movement, you know, of churches, are we keeping the question on the table? Are we responding to cultural changes? Is our message getting to the generations that are coming through? Mm. Are we adapting our practices to match a changing society? So this is a key role for you and you're loving it, obviously. Yeah, love it. I mean, it's such a privilege to be able to do this for work, you know, just to be able to champion something that I'm very passionate about. And also to be able to support and encourage the people who are on the front line of engaging in this ministry space. And also, I have a real heart for leadership and leadership development. And so just championing that conversation of how significant that needs to be in terms of the part it plays in our ministry focus across our churches. And um, I work with a, a guy named Bill Brown, who's in our Emerging Leaders team. And together, we're really trying to champion that aspect as well. So yes, I love what I do. It's very rewarding. Someone describes it a little bit like being a bee, where I get to just go from place to place collecting pollen and sharing (laughs) it around. And so um, I think that's a pretty apt description because it's a lot of storytelling and story listening. And I get to hear just all these creative and innovative ways churches are engaging with generations and engaging in their community and in the various expressions of churches we have across Mm. our movement, which is over 240 different churches that are expressing themselves and serving their community in different ways. It's a very sobering figure when it says in my opening remarks, two-thirds of young people leaving the church and maybe possibly leaving their lifelong faith. Yeah. Whose problem and how do we address it and why is this happening? There's lots of questions we would have to address today. (laughs) Yeah, there's so many questions in it, isn't there? And um, 
And it is alarming. I think it's an alarming statistic, but it's even more so when you turn that into people because each one of those numbers is a person. Mm. And, you know, when we consider, if you walk into any church environment right now and sort of by show of hands to the adults said, how many of you, you know, grew up in faith? And then to imagine two thirds of those people not there. Like, what would that look like for that individual congregation? What does it look like for the community that would or would not be impacted by that church mm. because of the absence of those people, let alone what does it look like for the individual who is far from God, you know, who doesn't get to journey their yeah. life in faith? So families who have three children, that statistic is pretty confronting to, to imagine how that might play out in your own family. And so it's a, a good siren sound for us as a church to have this information because I think it calls us to action and calls us to start, you know, digging a little deeper to find out what's behind it and what we can do to reverse it. Well, that was my kind of next question is why do you think this is happening? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of scholars have spent a lot of time trying to understand what that might be about. But I think ultimately young people leave the church for the same reason that old people leave the church. You know, it just isn't meeting the need or it isn't connecting with them in a personal way. And I think, too, we can't undervalue the impact of a culture that's really shifted. If you go back generationally, maybe your generation, the one ahead of ours, you know, that everyone went to Sunday school. It was just a cultural norm, even if your yeah. parents weren't of faith. That's not what our culture is like now. We're, mm. we're um, religiously diverse. You know, there's a lot of cultural diversity. You know, there's so many things that have impacted the fact that we don't call ourselves a Christian nation maybe anymore. And it's more countercultural. As adults, as parents, as leaders in church, we need to consider what is it that we have or haven't done to equip our young people with a faith that does sustain into adulthood. You know, that the expectation that as long as they know all the Bible stories, that somehow that will, you know, that'll mean that they can live out of that biblical worldview as they grow older, I don't think is a healthy one, but it has been what we've expected up until now. Is that because they've been taught, I guess, the Bible stories, as you were talking about, but where God hasn't been just a part of the everyday. So it hasn't been this close relationship. It's been, you know, a God out there rather than a real relationship, close, deep, abiding, you know, all those words where it's really personal. Do you think that's one of the issues? Yeah, I, I definitely think that's part of it. In some ways, that could be inadvertent. I mean, if you think about a lot of parents, adults, they do their Bible devotional time, you know, at six o'clock in the morning before the house is awake or late at night or something. And there may not actually be a lot of exposure that our children have to seeing how their parents actually do their faith. Um, And that's not the only way you do faith, but it's just an expression of it. Um, As a family, you know, we can see just, in terms of how society has shifted, there's less times where families are sitting down to meals together. You know, where is the exchange of a family or a parent being able to just say, you know, actually, God, you know, whispered this to my heart today, or I was doing this and I thought to pray for that person. This sort of casual exchange mm, of yeah. um, being exposed to watching how adults do faith, but also having a deep understanding of the fact that this is a way of life. This is an so infusion into life, woven into every this aspect. Is an event. So in your role, what are you seeing and who is really responsible to address this decline of lifelong faith? Yeah, well, it's an all-in proposition, really. You know, it's family and community. We see that you look at all the way back to the time of Moses and Deuteronomy 6, which is probably a familiar verse 
to many people, but where this idea of it being a, a lived out experience and expression of faith, where, you know, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your heart, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, you know, this way of doing faith that's more integrated into our family life. And it does rest on the family or within the family unit. But when you think about it in those ancient sort of biblical contexts, the family was much broader than just the nuclear family too. Yeah. There was this understanding that we, the village, you know, yeah. the, the broader family is responsible for this, that we share this joy, this privilege, as well as the responsibility, the way that we understand, you know, the physical setup of life. We live a lot more independently now. And yeah. so I guess if we're going to unpack those commandments into today's culture, it really does sit with the nuclear family. But I think there is a little bit of a call on us or maybe a, a large call on us to bring that back out and to draw it into the community of faith and into the family, the church family, rather than just sitting in the lap of parents. I love that verse because it actually encapsulates building a, a solid foundation, loving the Lord to God yeah. with all your heart and soul. And then it says, have it in your own heart. So that's mums and dads. Yeah. But then it says, impress them upon your children. So unpack that, impressing. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I mean, when I first, you know, many engagements with this text, I hear the word impress and I just feel like it's a parent who's just trying to emphasize something really strongly. Like, <laughs> I, I need to impress this upon you. I don't know that you realize how important this is. You know, I think that's the tone that I get from reading that word. But if you look back at the original definition of that, you know, the word that's being used there, it's actually a Hebrew word that translates to mean sharpen or prepare. And that totally shifts well, it's for me at least, it shifts the perspective I have of that and the tone that I read it in, which is that term, Shanayan, was to describe how you would sharpen a sword for battle. Right. So it's about, you know, preparing children for something. So if we're going to impress something on your children, it is that we're going to give you something that sharpens you and prepares you for life, prepares you for faith, and sets you up for something of purpose, not just can you just believe what I tell you and can you listen? Can you repeat it back to me? You know, that it's not... Um, <laughs> and that's when it gets to the head knowledge rather than the heart knowledge. Yeah, it's like there's a reason that these things are important because it will shape everything about your life and it will prepare you to live in a way that we think is the best way, you know, to live a life of faith and to walk with God. You mentioned before, as you were sharing about this, a very holistic approach, and we're looking at the church in the, the Old Testament it's a lot different than just the nuclear family. It's everyone's yeah. in it. It's the, the village mentality. And our village, for many people who are listening today, are involved in a church. And maybe that may not be for everyone's journey, but we'd encourage people to be connected to a local church. And that becomes their village, their community. But how can we have these healthy communities, these healthy villages, these healthy churches? Yeah. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think the significance of calling the nuclear family into connectedness with other family, you know, that more extended family is important. Um, in the research book, Growing Young, Erwin McManus, he's a pastor out of California, he says that healthy churches reach young people, but young people make churches healthy. And I think that's a really good picture of how, as a church, as family, as parents, as, you know, every part in that picture we understand that there's a shared responsibility for a church to reach young people as its mandate, you know, mm. and it's, that's going to be a healthy expression of church, but also the drawing in of young people into that broader family unit is actually going to make that a healthier unit as well. It's going to be a, a more accurate reflection of family and what it looks like to journey life together and then to be this village that we're saying is the most significant part of, mm. of raising, you know, young people in faith and 
impressing these things upon them. A lot of churches feel that if they're going to bring in young people, then they've got to have like the whiz-bang music and the smoke machines and these amazing programs. And is this true? Yes, no. (laughs) In fact, I feel like when I get invited into churches in my role to do consultations with leadership around these topics, I think that's what they think I'm going to say. Here she comes, she's going to tell us how many smoke machines and flashing lights and skinny jean wearing worship leaders are going to have to... (laughs) With holes in the knees. But it really does just boil all the way down to people and relationship and the way the intentionality of those people in a faith community and so resource is not a challenge at all really if you're investing in relationships and in people mm. um as i referenced that growing young material that's a significant research project that was conducted out of fuller seminary the fuller youth institute it's a few years old now but it was just a great project that they undertook and they're actually continuing to conduct this same research across the states where they looked at churches that met all the markers of growth. And so that's not to say they had to be large churches, but they had to be healthy churches, churches that were retaining or growing, you know, numerically, but also had other signs of life and, and engagement. And across denominations, across language, across tradition, across demographic in terms of city or, you know, rural or suburban or, you know, all the different sort of expressions of church they found these consistent factors around growth. And the first one is, and that's the name of the research, is that all these churches were growing because they were retaining young people. They were growing younger, um, growing towards that, not because they were necessarily recruiting or engaging new converts of adults into their communities, but that they were actually managing to retain the young people who grew up in their churches. And so they call it growing young. But they came up with these six ideas, these six core commitments, that they were able to see that each church was functioning in, with all of these six things. It's, I guess it's the secret sauce. You know, we're all looking for this magic thing, you yeah. know. And these six things, all of these churches had in common. And we can, you know, look at these, but the thing that you notice about all six of them is none of them have finances or buildings or, you know, any of those things attached to them. They're all about people and intentionality. That's Pastor Kimberly Smith, our guest today. The Word for Today is Australia's most widely read daily devotional, designed to give you practical teaching to keep you focused on your relationship with Jesus. Read it online or subscribe to the free printed edition at thewordfortoday.com.au. Welcome back to Focus on the Family Australia. I'm Brett Ryan. Our guest today is author, speaker and pastor, Kimberly Smith who is the Generations and Emerging Leaders Pastor at the Baptist Union of Victoria. So oh, we're on, our, on the edge of our seat now. What, what are the six things? <laughs> what are they? Yeah, that's what right. Well, List them. No, I can't tell you. It's a big secret. <laughs> <laughs> Come to my seminar and I'll give Nara. Um, so the six things that they unpacked as they saw it consistently across, the first one was something that they call keychain leadership. Essentially, it's a great visual of an intentional strategy or an intentional focus on developing leadership in emerging generations and handing on leadership. And so if you think about your own set of keys, it's essentially a collection of all the things that you have responsibility or authority for. And so, you know, you have a key to your house, you have a key to your work, you have a key to your car. 
because you're allowed to let yourself in and out of those things and utilize those facilities. And so this idea of keychain leadership is the intentional handing on of authority and responsibility. So if you think about that in context to say driving a car, I have my own keys to my own car and then as you know parents will know teenagers start to learn to drive but they use your keys and your car and under your supervision but then there's a hope at some point that they get to be independent in that and so they you know get their license and they probably still use your keys and your car but they're able to drive off independently which is yep. where I, I hear parents' prayer life really happens at that stage. <laughs> For sure. But then at some point, they get their own car with their own key. And so there's this sort of staging of intentional training, intentional focus on releasing leadership capacity and leadership authority and responsibility to others and to young people. The second one is that they empathise with young people. And this is a little bit tragic because if you think of the opposite to empathy, it's probably judgment. And so it's to say that the young people in these churches that were growing young, they felt that adults understood them or yeah. sought to understand them. Without judging. Without judging. And I think you know, this really speaks to the generation gap, as we would define it, You know, where there's a lack of understanding or awareness of the differences between generations and their experiences and expressions. And as a result, it can come across as judgment or disconnect. Mm. So... The classic one for me that we hear an older person might say of a younger person, oh, young people, they're always on their phones, you know. And well, does, yes, that in, does that include 50-year-olds? Because I've exactly. seen a lot of 50-year-olds that are clearly very oh, young um, well, on their phones young, all the yeah. time. <laughs> the older people are saying, those young anyway, people, yeah. it really could be anybody these days. But I think it's a classic example because, I mean, to start with, I am just like eternally grateful that social media did not exist when I was a teenager because I know that I would not have handled it well. Like I know that in my teenage angst and my, the drama and the trauma yeah. um, and the immaturity of handling those emotions and regulating myself, I would have been a train wreck on social media. So for me, that actually it shifts me towards empathy for our young people. Yeah, that they kind sure. of navigate yes. something that they don't have the wisdom to navigate. Like yeah. they've got a weapon in their hand and they don't know how powerful it is. Mm. You know, rather yeah. than sort of judging all your eyes on your phone, you know, that maybe it could lead us to some empathy to say, like, it must be tough to be yeah, in an environment just acknowledging where you're them. So, yeah, so immersed and so sort of dictated to almost by the, that social norm. Mm. Number three? Number three. They take Jesus' message seriously. Now, this might actually kind of be a bit confronting because it feels like this is the whole point of church is that we take Jesus' message seriously. That's why we go. But the statement here is around the idea that young people are looking to see that the faith of adults or the faith of anybody is actually impacted by who Jesus is and what he says, you yeah. know, that we live authentically, mm-hmm. that we wrestle with the fact that we're meant to look like Jesus, but we don't. You know, that there's an acknowledgement of how far short we fall yeah. in that, but then also just always feeling that tension to be taking forward steps in how we look more like Jesus. Yeah. And that's so true because a lot of young people would say, you know, they can smell a hypocrite a mile away. Oh, um, sure. We have to be authentic and genuine with our faith and how it applies yeah. to our world and also how you just commented that we've all fallen short. Yeah. We're all imperfect. And we yeah. don't need to put on the masks and yeah. therefore we're the same person wherever we are. 
Yeah. I think some kids find it really tough when their parents are one thing at home and then go to church and they're a totally yeah. different person there. Yeah, so mums and dads yeah. And so be it's really real important authentic. that they see the real us everywhere yeah. Yeah. without the mask and just knowing that we're all going to fail because yeah. we're human. And, and also recognising that the message of Jesus is quite countercultural. It's just calling us away from ourselves all the time. The gravitational pull of humanity is towards self. You know, we're yeah. always going to orient back towards what's in it for me and how do I get mine and all that sort of stuff. And the message of Jesus is that we are always laying ourselves down and looking to the needs and interests of yeah. others. And as you say, that young people particularly have such a, a high sensitivity and a capacity to sniff out inauthenticity, you know, the, the bull dust meter that rings, you know, and they really do orient towards and are quite sort of drawn in to um, somebody who really will share something that's truly happening for them, you know, the struggle of something or, yeah. Yeah. you know, the difference between where they want to be and where they currently are and what they're doing. Because we're always on show, aren't we? Mums and dads, we're on show. Church leaders are on show and we have to be real 100% of the time. It's a yeah. challenge. It's it's not an easy job. And, yeah. and living out the faith, you mentioned briefly about acting out your faith in the community and being good neighbours. Is that part of it as well? Yeah, and that's actually one of the six core commitments is this idea of being good neighbours and being known in our neighbourhood to be people of positive influence. You know, that young people in these churches, they wanted to see that their church was known in their community in a positive way. But if they said, I'll go to such and such church, that someone would say, oh, yeah, that's the place that helped my mum with a food hamper one time. Or, you know, is that the place where they do breakfast club or, you know, whatever it is, you know, that there's some orientation of the community in terms of how they perceive the church, that it has a value add to their neighbourhood and to the community that they're planted in. And it also extends beyond that local thing and to that more global impact as well. Like how are our churches responding to issues of injustice? So, Mm. I mean, probably the top one at the moment in terms of in the conversations of our young people is around climate change. So what does that look like for our churches to engage into that space that shows that they're wanting to be good neighbours? It means that our young people are watching to see how many polystyrene coffee cups we throw out at <laughs> yes. the end of a church service because they want to know that we're being you know, good to our environment. Good stewards. You know, yeah. that good stewards. And as well as when we see floods overseas or there's natural disasters or any sorts of things that are injustices that are taking place around the world, how do we respond? What's Mm. our engagement in that global mission as well? So that we would be good neighbours, that we would be known to be good people in our community. Yeah. So is there any more core components that we need to be aware of? Yeah, so the fifth one there is that churches that are growing young prioritise young people and families everywhere. And that's to say, and I think this is quite intriguing for us in terms of where the church is and also even where our families perceive faith development to sit, is that it's just that we have programs for young people and for young families, so kids' ministries and youth ministries and specific programs that are targeted to them, but that we recognise the presence of a whole family within our church community. The generations. that's in the language that we use, it's in the events that we offer, that it's not always the case that we are separating a nuclear family in our church community, but we're actually drawing the whole family in together, whether that's, you know, inviting them to serve together, hosting events that they can attend together um, in whatever expression that might look. But also, even when we do our whole church gatherings, what does it look like? If I was to listen to what's being said from the pulpit, 
or from the platform without looking around the room, would I be able to get who's in the room? So are all of our examples adult examples or are they, you know, of all of the language we use, is it hitting an audience that suggests Mm. that we don't think there's anyone under the age of 16 in the room, you know? And so that kind of thing, our young people are kind of sitting in those spaces where it's apparently for everybody, but they're not hearing themselves, you know, they're not hearing themselves mentioned or... They're not hearing examples or, or relevance help, you know, to be attached to their stage of life as well. So it's this idea that it's not just about specific programs, but it's the inclusion of the family into the broader community. And then the last one is that they fuel a warm community. And I think this one is the one that I get, you know, really excited about and, and speak a lot into our church communities about because I think it's just so tangible and accessible that every single person in our church community has a part to play in this. And this is just basically that the church as it gathers would be a place that is warm, that is welcoming, that extends a sense of inclusion and belonging to everybody who would come through the doors. And so the simple statistic that they reference in relation to this is that one of the key factors for determining faith retention for young people into adulthood is that they are known by name by five other adults. Extraordinary. And, which just blows your mind, right? Because <laughs> it's so simple, but you can understand how impactful that is because to be known by name by five adults in a church community is to say that you've been seen, <laughs> you're identified as being present, but also that you matter somehow. You're not just somebody that's kind of in the way of them getting to the real people, that they, you know, the adults that they need to talk to, that there's a sense of, relational connection across generations that takes place there. We've got so much more to talk about. Would you be available to have another chat? Let's do it. So we can talk more about fueling the warm community. Yeah, great. Thanks for joining with us and sharing this vital information. If you'd like to find out more information about Kimberly Smith, you can go to her website at KimberlySmith.org. That's KimberlySmith.org. We hope this program has provided greater insight into the importance for parents to role model their own faith and to encourage their children to engage in their church and especially with other like-minded people who not only know their name but have an interest in them. If we can be of any other service or if you would like more helpful resources including the Family Project found on our FamilyCast app you can go to our website at families.org.au I'm Brett Ryan and we look forward to you tuning in again for another edition of Focus on the Family. Australia. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.